Click, connect, drive. A Phantom Auto Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Gabrielle Bejarano, your host, and today we have a fascinating topic to explore. It's how could driving a forklift from thousands of miles away possibly be safe? And this is brought to you today by Phantom Auto. This webinar aims to shed light on the revolutionary advancements in remote forklift operations while maintaining the highest safety standards at the same time. So I'm excited to introduce our esteemed guest for today's discussion. Please join me in welcoming Ryan Clifford, who's Senior Director of Sales at Phantom Auto, as well as David Rasmussen, who's Principal Functional Safety Manager also at Phantom Auto. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Gabby. How does remotely operating forklifts and other MHG compare to the current paradigm, which is, you know, a manual operator sitting on a forklift driving around a building? Sure. Yeah, that's that's an excellent place to start. You know, when we start to, to sit back and we take a look at what uh, remote operators are presented with, uh, they'll have all of the same controls that any manually operated forklift would have. So when we take a look at that, the actual operation of the vehicle doesn't change that much. But one of the great advantages that we actually have in remotely operating the vehicles is that we can eliminate, if not uh, uh, reduce and or eliminate uh, all of the direct risks that are associated with the operator on the vehicle. Because we're physically removing that uh, operator from the vehicle and putting them, what I'll say is in a control station environment, we can either eliminate and or substitute all of the risks that are associated with that person as well. Uh, in addition to that, by remotely operating the vehicle, we can provide the operator with some advanced tools uh, that also help us to be able to operate the vehicle. In other words, um, enhanced tools that uh, present uh, multiple views of the vehicle, in other words, a 360 degree view around the vehicle and other features that aren't available uh, to manual operators that we are uh, uh, being on the vehicle at, at that particular point in time. Uh, one of the other things that I'm very, very proud of at Phantom Auto is we also open up the labor market to individuals that traditionally would not be able to operate a vehicle or an OEM designed vehicle, such as persons with disabilities. So we, in addition to having those advanced tools, we also open up the opportunity for other individuals to be able to operate those vehicles as well. So David, I've been, uh, it's been clear, like I rely on you as my safety expert, um, but I didn't at the beginning of this conversation ask you, you know, what your background is and how you developed all this expertise over the course of your career. Well, um, you didn't call me old, so I appreciate that, but, but I, I kind of am. Um, just uh, to give, give the folks a, a little bit of a, a background, uh, I, I started my career with, with a company by the name of Rockwell Automation, uh, and for approximately the last 10 to 12 years working for that company, I was primarily focused on functional safety. I was also one of, uh, I would say, somewhere a, a handful of individuals that was uh, authorized and certified to be able to do functional safety training uh, for TUV Rhineland in North America. So um, luckily I have a lot of uh, individuals that are out there that I've had the opportunity uh, and the pleasure of helping them through safety certification, functional safety engineering certification. Uh, so I've had that opportunity to work with them as well. Uh, I left uh, Rockwell Automation in 2017 
uh, and went and took an opportunity to go and work for Amazon uh, in their advanced technology uh, group. Uh, and there again, I was I was deploying uh, my functional safety expertise, and I was brought on to help a startup company that Amazon purchased that was building autonomous mobile robots. Uh, that's kind of where I would say I really got um, right up neck deep uh, into uh, mobility platforms and attempting to deploy those types of technologies uh, into fulfillment centers. Uh, so that that's where I cut my teeth uh, on what I would say is a mobility platforms. And much like you, I lived through what I would say is the difficulties in attempting to deploy fully automatic and fully autonomous vehicles into those environments. And Phantom Auto caught my eye uh, as a way to be able to introduce that type of technology. And I'll say, you know, this is, this is an introduction of being able to introduce technology into fulfillment centers um, and doing it comfortably. Um, you know, people that might be uncomfortable in, in deploying fully autonomous or fully automatic vehicles can take a look at this because, again, we have a human that's in control of that vehicle and it can step them into the process of introducing that technology into it. So uh, I've, I've uh, just been a little bit over a year now uh, with Phantom Auto and I can gladly say I'm, I'm happy I made that transition uh, and looking forward to seeing where we go. Yeah, no question. I mean, from a, a business value standpoint, we're all, kind of the, the easiest thing to understand and the go-to thing we talk about <clears throat> is that we can attract people, like workers, where they're available and apply them where they're not available. So that's a, a geographic conundrum. Um, but definitely expanding to labor pools, people that would never be interested in these jobs to begin with, is a huge win. I mean, both for our customers that, just, that really need help, they really need employees, and for people that are that have new employment paths, I think that part is super exciting. I agree with you, David. Uh, from a kind of a foundational standpoint, what would you say Phantom's approach to safety is? Sure. When when we start taking a look at safety, and and I know that we're primarily going to be compared with what other manufacturers are doing in the space of an AMR, an autonomous mobile robot, and or an AGV, an automatic guided vehicle. Uh, when we start to think about that, those, those vehicles operate on a fully autonomous or fully automatic type of a scale. When we start taking a look at remotely operated vehicles, we have the advantage of always having a human in the loop. What we want to do is provide our remote operators with every available tool that any manually operated uh, vehicle would have in addition to other things as well. So one of the, the nice things that we have is we have a human in the loop. So some of the difficult tasks that AMRs or AGVs may not be able to accomplish, we have the human brain that's there to be able to adapt on the fly and be able to accomplish those types of difficult tasks. One of the other things that we do at Phantom Auto and our approach is adding other types of complementary functions uh, to the vehicle. And if I can describe a couple of those, um, what people are probably familiar with, if they buy a late model automobile today, there are things that are called RDAS, uh, RDAS types of systems uh, or advanced driver assistance systems. In remote operation, we've kind of coined the phrase RDAS, which actually gives us uh, advanced remote driver 
assistance systems. And when I talk about things to that nature, and we'll get into that in a little bit more discussion, some of the safety functions that we have provide both warning field and safety field uh, to the vehicle uh, to be able to add safety functions on the vehicle. So we can overlay those fields. So similar to when you're backing your vehicle into a backing spot, it'll light up a camera that is showing you your reverse view and then the layers and how close you are to objects. We can do similar uh, situations like that and provide our remote operators with those overlays to be able to see how close they are to objects or where they're operating within their environment and if there are any objects are in the way. Um, we also have advanced systems on counterbalance vehicles, such as our fork height, being able to tell exactly where the forks are uh, in the height of the vehicle for being able to place uh, products and or pallets at height. Uh, in addition, a mass tilt, we actually have an angular mass tilt sensor that gives them information on the positioning, not only of the height of the forks, but the position of the mast uh, in inclination as well. Uh, some things that are simple, um, but also functional, is being able to identify what speed they're actually operating the vehicle at. Uh, and because we have a remote operator behind the vehicle, we can also have two-way communication between the remote operator and people that are on the, uh, the, the shop floor uh, and or the warehouse floor uh, where they're operating. Um, then the third layer, so we have the first layer being the human, the second layer being complementary measures that we're providing to the remote operator to help them do their job. The third layer is actually true safety functions that are designed uh, on the vehicle itself. Uh, so when we start thinking about things to that nature, immediately what comes into thought is what happens if we lose communication? to the vehicle between the remote operator and the vehicle itself. So we have protections in place that take a look at loss of communication, loss of control, or in situations because we're dealing with a connection between the remote operator and the vehicle, high latency types of situations. So we can adapt by slowing the vehicle down and or stopping the vehicle if, for instance, we have a loss of connection or the latency gets too high. Uh, in addition to that, we have other things like object detection systems that are built into the system that will see that objects are starting to get into what I'll say is close proximity, the operation of the vehicle, and we can proactively slow down or governor the vehicle in those types of systems by utilizing warning fields. Uh, and then uh, the further step would be actually collision avoidance systems that would stop the vehicle in the event that objects would actually enter the protective fields. All of those warning fields and protective fields are designed in a very, very high dynamic state that are based off of the direction and the speed of the vehicle. So they're highly dynamic and always pointed in the direction uh, that the vehicle is actually operating in based on the speed that the vehicle is operating at. Yeah, David, you and I both came from um, AMR developers. So our background is in autonomous vehicles. Uh, and so we know that those systems are guided by B56.5. Uh, and I, when I'm talking with customers, I'm always telling them like, yeah, you know, we apply B56.5 where it's applicable. Um, but more than that, we, 
to my knowledge, at least, there isn't a safety framework that exists for Fanta, you know? And, and so really like we should be, from a safety standpoint, comparing us more to a manual operator as opposed to an AMR. It's not an AMR. We're trying to recreate the experience of driving the vehicle um, and we're doing a good job. And as you said, there's actually a whole bunch of advantages. We actually have a better view, a 360 degree view around the vehicle. And by operating from a console, you have all these opportunities to enable the driver to be safer and more effective than you could do if you were trying to add tools to the chassis of the vehicle itself. You know, you can only have so many monitors and screens and devices strapped to their wrists before it becomes a distraction. But we're able to pretty naturally overlay those things into the user interface of the operator console where it's not distracting, but it's actually really helpful. Um, so I, I hope that came across to, to the viewers that were listening to your explanation there. Um, but I'm going to circle back to where I started, which was, are there any um, safety standards today that apply to remote operation of, of this kind of equipment? Yeah, I, you know, to answer that, I could say uh, selfishly, I wish there were. Um, because it would make my job a little bit easier. Uh, but to your point, there really aren't any specific type C or you know, sector standards that revolve and or surround around remotely operated vehicles. And to your point, we certainly utilize standards such as ANSI B56.5 um, uh, and then uh, ANSI RIA R1508, uh, ISO 3691-4, all my safety friends and geeks out there know what those standards are. They're, they're specifically around uh, certain types of vehicles, but as soon as you start reading into the scope uh, that those standards surround around, they specifically exclude uh, what I'll say are either manually driven or uh, person driven types of vehicles. Uh, however, we do utilize those standards as a foundation to be able to start and use them as informative as, a as, as opposed to normative. Uh, those of you that are familiar with standards, when we talk about informative, they can inform us in doing something. Normative usually outlines requirements that we have to meet. So we certainly utilize those standards being informative, uh, but what really it does is it puts the onus on Phantom Auto to build a safety case right off of the actual vehicle. So we do an extensive risk assessment process that identifies all of the risks that are associated with those specific types of vehicles that we're building. We identify what those risks are, what, what the we go through the risk estimation process, and then all of the safety functions that we implement on the vehicles are designed to be able to mitigate those identified risks. And those safety functions are designed around IEC 61508 and ISO 13849-1 to make sure that we are suitably uh, mitigating those particular risks. Uh, we also, uh, as all my safety friends will know as well, go through a comprehensive verification and validation process where we are not only testing the safety functions, but we actually go into fault injection into those safety functions to make sure that they be behave and operate at the level that they need to for the risks that were identified during that risk assessment process. So along these lines, uh, you know, those are, again, I'm going to take a step back. These are, a, this is a good technical deep dive. If you had to say, just like put simply, reassure anyone that's thinking about deploying Phantom or other remote operation systems in a warehouse environment, uh, 
what would you tell them to make, to reassure them if they have any concerns about it? Sure. You know, and, and I can answer that in a selfish sense as well. I would not be here at Phantom Auto if I didn't believe that I had the full support and insurance of not only our board of directors, but all of our C-level executives. And frankly, Ryan, you know, yourself coming from, from the AMR world as well, we've, we've dealt with this for many years. Uh, and, and I know um, as, as a person that leads, uh, that leads safety here at Phantom Auto, I have that support. Uh, and I am encouraged uh, to build and design a highly safe and reliable system. Uh, you know, and when we start taking a look at what and Phantom Auto's approach, the thing that we start with is following that safety life cycle. If those of you that are familiar with IEC 61508 are familiar with what that safety life cycle um, it consists of uh, and the safety management system, that is Phantom Auto's approach. So that when we take a look at it, we do a full uh, 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 what I'll say is risk assessment process and follow all of the, the globally accepted consensus standards. Uh, and we mitigate those risks beyond uh, what, the, what the requirements are of that risk assessment process. Yeah, I mean, when I think about this topic uh, of reassuring customers, uh, you know, I, I'm typically more in like the in the business conversations where we're talking about efficiency and productivity and ROI. Um, and I always tell customers, you know, like, hey, like today, our guiding principle is to try to become as as efficient and productive as a manual operator today. Uh, the problem with forklift drivers is not that they're not good. Like good forklift drivers are extremely good. Um, the problem is that one, there's not enough supply of them and that supply actually continues to dwindle. And the other is that in being as good as they are, often they're compromising safety, you know, and uh, it's just human nature. Like you're trying to do a good job. You're trying to get as much product out the door as you can. Often it's a high pressure job uh, and, and you're doing that. But in the process, you know, we know, and you would probably know the numbers off the top of your head, that it's a dangerous job and there's a lot of injuries. Uh, and we as a company are, are are saying, you know, we're trying to get to the point where we're equally as productive and then longer term beyond equally as productive as a manual operator, but we'll never compromise on safety. Uh, and sometimes that's challenging. You know, you and I talk about these things where, you know, you want to sacrifice, but you just can't do it. Uh, David, with this, this in mind, is it safe to, for Phantom to remotely operate vehicles around other humans? Or is this something that that you're doing more in like kind of a, a partitioned off section of a warehouse? You know, and, and, and you know, that's, that's actually a, an interesting question when, uh, and, I, and knowing where you came from and where I came from in, in working on autonomous mobile robots and AGVs, you know, an AGV is, is a good example where it's a path following device that follows a specific path. And when you see those deployed at customers, Typically, you'll see them actually cordoned off and have their area kind of roped off where people aren't traversing in that area. But again, because we're dealing with a remotely operated vehicle, I can answer that question unequivocally. Yes, it certainly is safe to operate these vehicles around humans. In fact, uh, I, I will 
uh, guarantee that uh, we create an environment where operating these remotely operated vehicles, it is even safer to operate these in a manually operated vehicles. We have these other enhanced features and tools that I already described uh, previously. But in addition to that, because of the safety systems that we put on the vehicle to guard against loss of communication, loss of connection, uh, and, and what I would say are objects entering into the path of the vehicle, all of those safety functions are also designed to be able to do that collision avoidance and uh, person detection. Again, we also have um, the, the, the advantage of a human being behind the wheel. They can differentiate between a, a person that's in front of the vehicle and an object and behave accordingly based on the input that they're getting uh, by what they're seeing. So um, I, I, would, uh, I would say that, yes, um, it certainly is safe to operate these vehicles around uh, persons that are on the floor and safer than what I would say is a traditionally manually operated vehicle. Yeah, this was, I would say, the number one thing that attracted me to Phantom when I was coming from the AMR world and then considering coming to Phantom was that, in my opinion, you can apply it to more use cases. It's more dynamic. You still have the ability for a person to make judgment calls in real time, which is so hard. I mean, and coming from that space, I know it's not to knock any vendor. It's just a super hard technical challenge. And then you have the guardrails of B56.5. Um, if, if you could just operate them however you wanted, it would probably be a lot easier, but you'd be sacrificing on safety. Uh, and so coming here to Phantom, you know, we can work around people. We can effectively do any workflow that, um, that your people are doing today. But then we also have the added benefit of, of being able to be safer and, and then and putting some guardrails and tools in front of operators that you just never could if you were doing it on the vehicle. So uh, that's I agree. That's a, that was a big win for me when I started digging into this. And I will tell you, it wasn't obvious when I first thought of the concept of remote operations. Um, it took me a few months of really digging into this before I came to that conclusion myself. Um, David, on training, um, so what types of training are, are is Phantom doing with remote operators? Do they need to be OSHA certified? Can you tell us more about that? Sure. You know, when the methodology that we do and what we, what we're, how we approach the training, uh, all of our operators do go through an uh, an OSHA certified training provider. Um, one of the things that's interesting, and I think people may find interesting, is that the requirements from OSHA don't actually require any on-vehicle testing and or training to be performed. For the most part, the, the training um, is classroom theoretical on the safe use uh, and operation of the vehicle itself. So all of our operators actually go through an OSHA certified uh, training course. Uh, but in addition to that, because of the remote operation, understanding uh, the operator station, uh, learning what those additional uh, features are that we provide and the tools that we provide our operator, we also incorporate a, what I'll say is on vehicle and or remote uh, operation uh, training program. So all of our operators go through a period of time in working in our QA and our test environment uh, currently in South San Francisco. So they're actually go through hours of training and driving vehicles remotely so that they understand what those tools are and how to operate those vehicles in a safe and professional manner. Um, 
at, you know, at, uh, before they're allowed uh, to operate at a customer site. Uh, in addition to that, and I know that you're aware of this, uh, we've also had customers that have asked us to put our operators through their specific site training and or customer related training uh, for their facilities. And we're more than happy uh, to do that with them uh, to make sure that they can operate safely. And what I would say is cohesively with the manual operators that are at our customer sites as well. So uh, we kind of go through that full gamut of training. Um, one of the other things that, again, going back to it, it also offers us the opportunity uh, to uh, give um, these types of jobs to persons with disabilities and be able to get them through this training uh, protocol that we have as our, our, our uh, training protocol is wrapped around uh, the ability for all persons to be able to operate these remotely operated vehicles. To either expand on that or anything else for that matter, um, what, what questions should customers be thinking about in terms of safety when uh, considering deploy a remotely operated forklift like ours or an, an autonomous forklift, any kind of unmanned vehicle in a warehouse, uh, what should they be thinking about? Yeah, you know, and this I think it goes to the same questions that I'm always asked. Um, you know, are you are you building your safety case off of uh, global consensus standards? In other words, are you following uh, the safety lifecycle process? Are you going through a risk assessment process? Have you identified the risks? Um, what what are the mitigation techniques that you're utilizing to reduce those risks? Uh, and then, really, the basic question: um, Are you actually um, uh, reducing those risks uh, that are associated with. In other words, if we're replacing what I'll say is a traditionally manually operated forklift, uh, are we reducing and or further reducing the risks that are associated with operating those vehicles uh, in, in facilities? As, as you mentioned before, uh, there's a lot of risks that are associated with operating forklifts and or MHE in, in warehouse environments. Uh, number one, uh, uh, forklift injuries or injuries that are associated with forklifts actually have trended in the top 10 uh, OSHA citable uh, types of incidents for over 10 years in a row. So we know that there's risks associated with that. So the question is, are we reducing risk by introducing this technology? And, and I can answer that knowing what I know in remotely operated uh, types of vehicles, we are. Um, and then the simple, the simple uh, question is, can they actually perform uh, the types of tasks that they're, they're being asked to do and do it both safely and efficiently? Um, and can they adapt to a highly dynamic uh, warehouse environment? That's the difficulty I think you and I have dealt with in our past lives of, of implementing fully automatic or fully autonomous vehicles. It's difficult to get them to adapt to the highly dynamic environment that we're, we're presented with. Uh, and then do they, do they maintain that, self, that safe uh, performance uh, and factors when other things around them may not be behaving in what I'll say is a safe manner? Um, in other words, are they, do they continue to operate in their safe behavior, even though things around them may not be operating as safely? I mean, I think that's actually the perfect segue to the next question. And this is the one that I spend the most time talking with customers about relative to safety is, you know, what should customers be thinking about in terms of the trade-off between safety and throughput? 
you know, like, like I think that it's clear, you know, I always connect you with the customers that we're working with. It's understood and clear that we are definitely safer than your manual operators today, just given the tools and the safety system that we have. Very few manually operated forklifts have any safety system on them at all. I know that those exist, but they're not common. Um, so it's pretty well accepted that we're safer. The question is that balance between safety and efficiency. And what do you think about there uh, when you're looking at that? Yeah, and, and you know, it's um, uh, I smile a little bit, Ryan, because you're you know you're you're one of them that has to talk to the to the customers and you're in front of the customers and. You know, one one of the things that is always talked about is speed. You know, what what is the speed that the vehicle actually operates at? Uh, and I always tend to, and and I, I know I can usually get a smile out of you on this as well because, you know, I push back that, you know, I don't. I always use a common phrase that speed doesn't necessarily always equal efficiency. You know, and there is a balance. Um, and I think in every site, you know, we we work to try to find out what that balance is. And you know, the one thing that I would always ask customers to do is judge us against the amount of work that needs to be done. Um, you know, in many cases, people think the faster that you can travel, the quicker things are going to get done. But in many cases, if you watch the dynamics of things, things that move smoothly and fluidly tend to operate at a much more higher level of efficiency than things that are stopping and going all the time. So, you know, one of the things that we're working toward, uh, and this is always a work in progress, is what is that balance? So as we continue to operate and we work with customers, we'll find out, um, in other words, being judged against what a manual operator can do in a specific set period of time is traditionally what I would like to be judged against, as opposed to how fast and or how quickly we tend to move from one point to another. Uh, but that that is kind of uh, what kind of one of the battles that we deal with on an ongoing basis and and that we'll continue to battle with. But we're more than willing to work with customers to find out where that balance is for them. Yeah, I mean, you and I share the same opinion. And it's funny, I, you know, I, I hate to paint uh, a negative picture of AMRs or AGVs because the workflows that they do well, they're excellent at. And you're not paying for an operator. So I mean, the business case is off the charts. The frustration that I always had was I would talk with customers, we'd have a really exciting project. And then the more you dug into it, it would just get curated and curated and curated. And then you landed on that thing that was really that it was really great for and the scope of the project just got so much smaller than what you set out to do. Uh, and it wasn't, I wouldn't call it frustrating because you landed on a great application. It was just a little disappointing. You know, you thought you were going to solve this huge problem. You end up solving a smaller problem, but doing a really great job at it. Uh, and, and I look at it a little bit differently now, but that same sentiment applies uh, that there are a lot of things that autonomy is just very, very hard for. I mean, one of those, you know, and I know you've done a fair bit of work on this here at Phantom is, cold storage, you know, it's, it's awfully challenging for autonomous vehicles to operate in cold storage environments. Um, any, I'll make this the last question and then we'll wrap it up, but any, um, any thoughts on that? I mean, where, why Phantom is able, where, where other solutions aren't? Yeah, you know, and selfishly, from as a safety guy's perspective, you know, the, the first thing that I, I would ask is, you know, 
when introducing this type of automation, is it reducing the risks that are associated with either a manually operated or traditional method uh, that you're in incorporating? Uh, and then the second question goes into what we've already discussed. You know, can they actually perform uh, what they're being asked to perform? Because again, that's that's the difficulty, right? The the tasks that we're asking them to do, uh, can they do it safely and can they do it efficiently? Um, and can they adapt to that highly dynamic, um, what I'll say is environment that we're all presented with on every deployment that we do, no matter where we do it, even if you're in control, uh, and I can speak from my history, in control of the fulfillment centers or warehouses that you're operating in, it's still a difficult task to do it. Um, and then can they maintain all of their safety performance when all the factors around them uh, are constantly changing? Uh, and one, one thing that I would add as well from my experience, um, and we've had this with certain customers that we've dealt with, where we've been able to reintroduce customers that might have been disillusioned or disappointed with trying to uh, deploy autonomous and or automatic types of vehicles into their facilities, this is a good way to take a step back and being able to take a look at a different way of doing uh, what they were trying to do. And I would just ask them to give us a chance. Hey, David, I appreciate it. That's probably the perfect place for us to wrap. I'll hand it back over to Gabby. Uh, thank you. I always learn something when I'm talking with you, so I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And that goes for me too. I mean, I'm always learning stuff, just listening to you guys, soaking it all in. Well, thank you so much to everyone who joined today and also submitted questions in the chat. And thank you to Ryan and David for joining us today uh, to talk about these valuable insights into the safety aspects of remotely operated forklifts. So thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, David. Well, one last thing, if you want to learn more, remember to visit Phantom Auto's website, and that's phantomauto.com for more information. If you have any further questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I've been your host, Gabrielle. Thanks for tuning in. Click, connect, drive. A Phantom Auto podcast.